Welcome back to the Baseball Blue Book Podcast. My name is Eric Wobinaw, the president of the Baseball Blue Book. Are you in the book? The most comprehensive directory since 1909 is now available for download on Google Play and Apple Store. You can also visit us at BaseballBlueBook.com for more information. So make sure you download it today. It costs nothing. It's great to build a profile, add highlights, add your stats for the summer season, uh, and search our comprehensive directory. Find the coach, the program that you are interested in. Before we begin, hit that like button, share, and subscribe. We want to make sure we reach other viewers just like you to get this out. Today's podcast is brought to you by Empowerment Sports Group, a full advisory and consulting firm with over 10 years of experience educating and helping athletes develop within baseball and life. ESG enables athletes to achieve achieve their version of success and positively impact their community. For more information, visit them at ESGSportsGroup.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Joseph Guzman and Michael McGinnis over there, great guys, helped a lot of players. I've had the privilege of having them on a couple of podcasts with their players, so we're excited to have them as a sponsor. Today's guest is Coach Ashatino, the assistant baseball coach at St. Joseph University. Thanks for having me, Eric. I appreciate it. This is a nice opportunity to get to talk. Um, So my name is Andrew Ashatino, but as you know, most people... uh, call me coach Ash, a little easier to say as well. Um, so listen, going back and you and I discussed this last week, <clears throat> baseball was um, sort of a big part of, of, of life from, from day one. Family was always huge baseball fans. Like I told you, we had the, I don't think we missed a Met game in my house, you know, from the time I was growing up. So um, something I was always passionate about um, played obviously in uh uh, high school, um, college, and, um, you know, always, even, even in my playing days, saw myself as a coach. I was fortunate enough to have a real good high school coach that kind of, um, kind of turned that passion up a little bit more, uh, where I watched the, the interest and, and the passion he had for the game, um, kind of put that in me a little bit from a coaching standpoint. I knew how important that he was in my life as a motivator and someone that kind of demanded uh, your best at all moments, not just on the field, but, you know, walking around the hallways in school and the way you presented yourself and, and the way you talked to your parents. I remember, you know, calling my mom from his office. And if you didn't say please and thank you, you, you know, you got spoken to. And and it was those kind of things that I think, you know, <laughs> helped shape me into a, into a good person. So it was uh, it was a goal even while I was playing. You know, I knew that it was only going to go so far with it. And um, really couldn't wait to get started. Well, let, let me let me stop. Yeah, let, let me stop you there. Let's talk. Let's talk about that beginning because one of the things that I've had a lot of people on lately, um, and it's a it's a general theme that's kind of going through uh, the baseball ranks um, at the amateur level, and it's it's really what the focus is uh, of of the training, and and it's it's less about the actual. Um, you know, the, the nuts and bolts or the, the you know, of, of baseball, it's really about generating and creating men um, and, and with the respect and, 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 you know, kind of the old school feel. Uh, so, so talk a little bit about just that, because I, I think that people that are watching this, we, we watch kids today and it's, it literally is all about the wins and the losses, the, 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 how fast we can throw it, um, the, the, the ball rotation, the launch angles, and we forget to 
to really think about what's the most important part of, of, of the game of baseball. So expand a little bit on that. I coach travel baseball in a real successful program and a lot of our friends do. And, you know, that's a different element when it comes to development. And, and uh, I think that's where people kind of get caught up in status and wins and losses. And I always laugh because, you know, you have these coaches and I'm, I'm not taking anything away from them, but they get to pick and choose who plays. for them. And I think one of the greatest things about high school baseball is is you coach your zip code <laughs> you you coach the, the talent of your team and the genetics of your town um and and you got to make of it what you can and you deal with all different types of talent levels but one thing that for me that always needed to be a constant was the character of the people uh that we had in our program and the type of people that we had in our program and i thought that was kind of us up to us as a coaching staff and i've had some incredible assistant coaches along the way to create. And just to give you a little background, uh, I started in Rocky Point in 1999 as a teacher. Um, I coached two years of junior high baseball um, and then got the varsity job in 2001. And I was young. I think I was 24 or 25 years old. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, a little brash, a little going to change the world in three days kind of mentality. <laughs> and you, you learn very quick that it doesn't work yeah. that way. Um, but one of the things that we really wanted to do was is it, it was it was very much a lacrosse town okay it wasn't i don't know how big lacrosse is out in the midwest where you guys are but here on long island it's tremendous not really it's a great game and yeah. baseball in rocky point was very 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 secondary you know sporadic good years i think in to put it in perspective uh, I think they made the playoffs five times out of the first 32 years of its existence. Um, it was very, very inconsistent. But right away when I started started teaching there and got my, my first junior high team, I noticed that we had a, a certain type of kid there. It was very blue collar, very tough minded um, kid that I think was real uh, intriguing to work with and and to kind of see if we could flip this thing and take that great mentality that this town had and turn it into a successful program. So um, right when I got the job, there, there was a little pushback because the old coach, who was a phenomenal guy and, and did a real good job kind of instilling the program as a uh, we're, we're no longer going to be this, you know, show up and go kind of program. He did some nice, he started to do some nice things in the offseason. We started to see little turnaround. And my job was to kind of run off with what he started and build on that. So there wasn't a whole lot of accountability, which I thought was crazy. You know, it's like there were workouts, but uh, you know what? I can't make it because of this. I can't make it because of that. And, you know, they're showing up, they're forgetting their, they're showing up in jeans. They're forgetting their glove. They're forgetting. I'm, I'm looking back on, you know what, how important can this be? If right. we're forgetting the basics of, you know, like when I was growing up, my parents, you know, my mom raised four kids. My dad worked two jobs. He was a New York City police officer. And then when he retired, he was running carpentry businesses. And I didn't get I rode my bike to most games, you know, and my glove was on the back of my bat that yeah. my brother handed down to me. It had cracks in it. The glove was a mess. And, you know, I pedaled myself to practice. And, and you know, so to me, it's like my stuff was laid out in the morning. I was so excited to get to practice. 
And here we have, you know, 16 and 17 yep. year olds that, you know, what do you mean you forgot your glove? What do you mean you forgot your bat? Um, we did something that, that wasn't very popular at the time. Okay. And I, I did. Get hey, hold, hold, hold on. Yep. Hold on coach. Um, we just had, we just had a blip. Um, you, you I lost you and I'll edit all of this out. So if you could start with the ball on the, um, on the back of your bat that was yep. handed down, that's when it kind of disappeared. And, okay. and this is, by the way, this is great. I, this is exactly what I want to hear talk, uh, us talk, talking about. So cool. go ahead. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, my parents really didn't drive me and my brothers to and from games. They were busy working. They were busy doing other things. So we, you know, we pedaled to the park. We, you know, so my stuff was laid out in the morning. I was so excited to get to practice or a game where it was never an issue to be unprepared. You know, it was unheard of. So it was always shocking to me at 16 and 17. It's, hard to, it's actually hard to grasp. It, it's actually really? hard to grasp um, because it's like, wait a minute, what are we here to do? And you've forgotten the basic, just the basic concepts right. and, and right. components of what, what we're doing, right? right. It's, Where are it's, you right uh, now? So, not in this class. so yeah. So, um, th you know, there was, there was two things that um, were in my mind from day one that I thought were, were keys to turning this into a, a program that could sustain success. And number one was accountability. Okay, and that, that's kind of on everybody's list. And the other one was uh, something I called PIO. And it was on every one of our practice plans for 17 years. It's called Pride in Ownership. That's what PIO stood for. Um, when I was younger, like when I first started teaching, I noticed, you know, and, and these kids would drive to school. And I noticed the kids that kind of worked for their cars. You could tell the kids that, you know, they, they work and, you know, they, they're working right after school and I got to pay for my car. And I talked to these kids. I got to pay for my insurance. I watched how great they took care of their cars as opposed to some of the kids whose parents might yep. have given them one or bought them. And I always thought that that was incredible. Like these kids work to their cars. It's not the greatest car in the world. It's a little, you know, doesn't sound good. It doesn't look good, but man, it's clean and they take good care of it. And they make sure they're changing yep. their oil at the right times. And I'm like, you know what? That that's pride and ownership. These kids worked for something, it became theirs, and they take care of it a little bit better. So that was, you know, the number two thing that I thought we had to instill in our kids was this is your program. It's not mine, right? It's it's not the schools. This this program belongs to you, and it's going to um, be taken care of through you. And and you're the ones that are going to build this thing, not everybody else. So. Uh, the way we went about doing it is, is P N is it P N O like pride P and ownership pride in ownership P I -N -O. pride in ownership okay I want to make sure I got that done I, I like that pride it, in ownership all right yep. that makes sense okay so it, it was on every like I said every practice plan for 17 years and I've been out of the program now you know retired from there to move on to um, to coach at St Joe's and the person who we hired is a former player of mine, a coach that my former assistant stayed on, and it's still in their practice plans to the day. Something we're very proud of that our kids kind of take, you know, pride in. So the way we did it was, um, as far as the accountability is, when I was in high school, my, my high school coach did a very cool thing. And, and the first day of, of tryouts practice, we practiced at 6 a.m. in the morning before school. And his mentality was, 
we're now one hour ahead of the rest of the county. So I love that idea. That's good. Love that idea. It was, it was like I said, it yeah. kind of gave us in a mindset that we we were working while others were sleeping. So I decided, why not take that and make it a year-round thing, <laughs> and let's kind of outwork everybody. Well, there, you know, there. I used to say, you know, we're out working while everyone else is drooling on their pillows still. So we we started some off-season workouts, uh, two to three days a week at 5:45 in the morning before school started. Was not very popular with a lot of people to start. You know, parents had to get up early and drive the kids to school. Some of the teachers in the school were pushing back. Well, this isn't fair, and you know. So um, great. Thankfully, I had great supportive athletic director and my principal was was phenomenal in support. This as well. He said, tell your kids they better stay awake in class. And, you know, as long as they do, we have no problem. And um, it, next thing you know, the kids wanted to put it on shirts, you know, 545 a.m. You know, where were you while we were working? It was like, again, it became a a prideful thing. And my thing to the kids was always you don't have the excuse that you got to work because you're not working at 5.45 in the morning. Your homework should have been done already. Yep. Um, you got nowhere else to be. Yep. So we, it taught them time management. Yep. Get to bed early. If this is important to you, there's no reason why this can't work. Um, and it was amazing how many kids we, we, we would have at those early morning workouts. And it became something that everybody actually looked forward to. And when kids would graduate and, you know, coach, I miss those workouts. And even the parents, you know, as much crazy, I miss driving my kid to practice at 545 in the morning. So that's where accountability kind of started, where if it's important to you, you're going to organize your life, you're going to manage your time, and you're going to find a way to just get better one hour and 15 minutes before school starts. Um, and the workouts were phenomenal and it was great. And the pride and ownership thing kind of came from the way we took care of our our program, our team's equipment, what we work for, their own equipment, how they stack their bags, how they cleaned up the field after practice, how they, you know, organized the shed and, and uh, put their stuff away. It was the little things that, you know, we, we talk about, it's cliched, that require no talent. How are you going to take care about those things that mean nothing about the actual X's and O's and skill set of baseball, but how are you taking care of those things in your life that you're completely in control of? Um, how you dress right. for practice, you know, is your uniform clean? Is is your hat worn properly? Is your belt on? Well, you know, little things that some people take for granted. We wanted to make sure um, there was, you know, attention to detail with that. And then at the end of practice, how we maintained our field, cleaned up our field. So we had an early kind of mentality. So at the end of each practice, and this, again, was instilled to me from my high school coach, Tom Pisani, who, who, like I said, was an amazing mentor to me. Um, at the end of practice, I would tell the kids, all right, hey, we're going to go pick up. Uh, and I would start the season with this. We're going to go pick up 20 rocks off the field. We're going to try and make the field look nice. Okay, so we got 18 guys on the roster. Go pick up 20 rocks. And me and my, my coaches would sit back and we'd watch the kids. And who were the kids that went to one spot and just grabbed 20 quick rocks? Who are the kids that kind of really scoured the field? And then after about five minutes, we'd say, okay, time done. Everybody come show you. We'd have a bucket there to put the rocks in. Everybody show me what you got. And who picked up the bare minimum 20 rocks? And who in the five minutes that we gave them ended up with 50, 60, 70 rocks? They went above and beyond what was told of them to do. 
And when we put them all in, we didn't single the kids out, but it was like, guys, listen, how many did the bare minimum? Okay. How many of you went beyond expectation and, and, and outworked the, the surrounding people and really kind of took advantage of the time given and got the most of the time? So the kids kind of got it after that. It's like, oh, okay. You know, guys, this is going to relate to how we work at practice, how we work in, in the classroom, how we're going to kind of approach our everyday life. Right. You're going to be given a task. How many are you going to take so much pride in that task? Where you don't just do the you know the bare minimum. So um, those are just the and who is and who is yeah and and who is actually understanding the purpose of the picking up the rocks, right? It's it has nothing to do with the rocks. No, no, no. <laughs> you know it, it's the way we related it to the kids was you know we're not we've had one major leaguer that that reached the major leagues, a couple minor leaguers in that time period. Um, so we're not raising professional baseball players, we're, we're trying to, you know, we're teaching you guys how you're going to deal with life through a game of baseball that I think all of us, if you have a different goal, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't have your major goal, right? Let's play the highest level we can play. But at the end of the day, I think if, if that's our end goal being of this, our, you know, participation in this game, whether player or coach, you're far off, you know, you're far off of what, you know, you are really yeah. trying to get out of this. So, yeah, they, they needed to understand. You know, Coach, you, you, you brought up a couple. Yep, you, you brought up a couple of things. We're going to unpack a lot of things that you just said there. The 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 first thing is we talked about things that we can control. Um, yes. You know, when, when you talk about baseball and the programs that and a lot of the people that I've been talking about, talent, you can't really control talent. You can control raising men. And, and the choices and the decisions that you make. And, and I, I think when, when you focus on the things that you can control in your life, the other things are going to, they're, they're going to, they're going to fall in place. It, it's kind of the, let the chips fall as they, if you focus on the things that you can control, right? We'll, we'll, we're going to work on your game. We're going to work on, you know, your, your, your pitching. We're going to work on the hitting and, and being a contact hitter. We're going to work on field. We're going to do all the things that, it, that require you to be, become a better person but really what matters is the things that we can control. And that's why I love the rock story. I don't know if there's a dad out there that hasn't done the picking up rocks with their own sons, right? right. It's it, it's not about, I've got an 11 year old and when he, I send them out to pick up rocks, it's when, when they get the idea of what the purpose of picking up the rocks are, you know that you've broken through, right? right. If, if right. And, and I think that's, what's great about what baseball coaches are doing. Now, here's the question I have for you. Um, a, a, lot of, a lot of the things that you're, you brought back into the program to create that, that pride in ownership, um, it, that, that seems like something, it's actually something that we've done for a long time, right? You, you, you watch the old school uh, movies, you could watch Hoosiers and the people that they, they walk in with their suits and ties. They're organized. They they walk in single file. There's a there's a respect and there's a level of of pride in athletics. And all of a sudden, we're bringing back what we've been doing for a very very long time. What, what, why do you think that it's gone the other other direction? And we've got to bring some of these these what you and I think are basic, you know skills of of growing up 
why is why do you see that so important now and what was what's missing and and what what do you think is is happening from a culture perspective and just the the the, the whole you know where we are at as as a as a race and and, and we are <laughs> as you know not taking pride in in, in ownership today well i think that i think that people kind of recognize um that we've taken certain things for granted. I think we really have as a society. Um, you know, as when I was a kid, no matter what went on during the day and people, you know, dinner time was six o'clock and you were at the dinner table and wasn't an option. It was, you're sitting down, you're eating what my mother made. And that was that. There was no alternate menu like kids have these days. If you don't eat this, I will make this. And, you know, and it, I think that that simple kind of yet disciplined way of life has gotten away from us. I, I think the reason why you're seeing a turnaround is I, see, I think people have recognized that. I think it took several steps backwards uh, to realize that we were not headed in the right direction. And, you know, I think the reason why it's happening through sports is I think that oh, you just went. Oh, there you go. I think the reason why it's happening through sports is is that's what we got out of it as, as, as players and kids is the discipline. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's not easy to do. It's like you just said, every coach and every program, they preach similar things, right? I always tell the kids, guys, we're not reinventing the wheel here. We're doing a lot of things that everyone else is doing. The question is, are you going to be able to do it consistently and sustain it? And I think that's where, you know, a big difference is in programs. It's easy to be good one day. You know, we, we have a mentality and this is great and something, we, you know, we still use with my, our, you know, with our college kids. It's easy day one, right? So the season's usually three months long, high school season. Day one's easy. Where are you day 30, day 60, day 90? That's going to kind of ultimately determine, you know, where you're at at the end of the season, if, if you're going to be great or mediocre, you know, so everybody's wants to do the right thing, but doing the right thing is hard. Yeah. Doing the right thing every day is hard. Yes, so, is. who's the team? Who's the program that's going to stay on it and sustain it? Um, but, but you know, back to what you said, I think that there's a lot of guys in our generation that um, want to instill those wonderful things that we got out of sports that we got away from. You know, it seems like you know everybody just kind of got away from let the coaches coach, right? Let the parents parent, let everybody do their job in this, you know, village of, of raising young men and women. And somewhere along the line that got broken and it got broken big time. And everybody started chasing the almighty scholarship and it became more than what it's supposed to be. And like we said, I'm not saying don't have goals and have aspirations, but if, you know, if, if you're not right. trying to get out of this, what's intended in sports and the bigger model of what it's supposed to be, then you're, you're, you're losing, you're losing. And that, that ain't a win or loss thing, you know, on a game. That's a win or loss thing in life. The, the, the narrative has changed over the last um, probably decade as well. You, you've, it, it's become more of a pay to play uh, sport. Um, it, it is, it's absolutely an individualized team sport yes. um, and, and I and I see a lot of coaches like yourself that I've been talking to that want to that they they want to change that narrative and and yeah. you, you, I've never I've not had anybody on my podcast that has said that 
our pay-to-play model is is working. Um, what it's done is it's created a uh, a robotic, uh, you know, replication of every single person, right? You have a specific swing, you have a specific way to throw the ball, you have a specific way to run bases. Everything is exactly the same. And if you're not along that line, then you're not going to make it. Heck, we just celebrated, uh, it was Roberto uh, Clemente's, I think, 89th birthday this week. Right. And he was one of, one of my favorite players. I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh. I always follow that guy. He's got the most unorthodox swing I've ever seen. You, you would never train that. You would never train that. You'd swing. never teach it. Uh, Three thousand hits. You would never. You would never teach it. And, and and I think that we we the the coming full circle. The way I see this, and I'm just a I'm just a guy on a podcast, and 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 uh, you know I played ball in my in my life, and I, I I'm passionate love about love baseball. But what I see is the the lack the the that character building. The I, I love it. I'm gonna use your owner. Um, pride and ownership. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that and and can carry that on because right. that's exactly what we're missing. It's a pride and ownership. Everything's throwaway. Everything is throwaway. And when you have everything that's thrown away, you never have that pride. And you said something about the 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 kids that you you knew the kids that bought their own card because they owned it. They had responsibility for it. They took pride in what they did. And I think baseball is the same thing. Um, so let, let's let's go into your next. Because I could, we could talk about this all all day long. I mean, I, you know, you watch Sandlot and you go, man, that's what we need to do again. We got to get the kids yep. to take ownership of playing. Coaches, you, you, I think you said that too. Players be pl- players, coaches be coaches, parents be parents. And I think we lose that the fun of the game, which is so critical in continuing. Right? We talk about. Uh, you know, I'd like you to I'd like you to respond on just the changes that MLB is trying to make to, to make the game fun. I, I, I disagree, but let's what, what do you about that? You know, it's the game's not broken, in my opinion. Um, I, I, exactly. It comes down to them. You know, this it comes down to money and, and, and putting bodies in seats. And the problem is, is there's not enough. I don't know if I want to call it baseball purists that enjoy going to a baseball game and can sit through three and a half hours of a one nothing, well pitched, uh, well defended game that you know, it, it's it's not it's not what's putting bodies in seats anymore. You know, people want a faster game. They want the ball over the fence. Um, and I'm not saying everybody, but I think there's just fewer and fewer people like us that truly enjoy the the purity of a well played. Uh, pitchers duel. I don't think that that's that's out there. So I think they're trying to cater to the everyday person that wants to take their family to the game. And you know, you, you know it. It's, you're going to take a family of four to a baseball game. It's twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> do you want to do you want to sit in any decent seat? So <laughs> if I'm going to pay twelve hundred dollars, I want to see yeah. you know ten runs scored. I want to see excitement. You know, I don't want to see uh, eight nine strikeouts apiece and and four hits total in a game. So I understand that, but at the same time, um, I think you, you're going to, their mentality is this. I'm always going to have the, the, the baseball purist in my pocket. And if I can grab some other fans along the way by putting out a, a game that's quicker, more offensive, um, and funner for, you know, the average family to watch, I think that's what they're catering to. And as much as we don't like it, 
from a business standpoint, I, I do get it, but they're doing some things that are just yeah, painful, you know, painful. Oh, it, it, it's, it's absolutely painful. I, and, and I'll tell you my theory, right? It, you, you get the name theories too. It's the bottom of the ninth theory on, on the demise of baseball and how to fix it. <laughs> so it starts at the, it starts, it starts at the lower levels. Um, if you had made a comment about travel ball, travel ball, they get to go around and pick and choose their players in high school, which gets very little focus anymore. If you're good, you're not, it's not the high school stats that you're focused on. It's, it's the travel balls. It's, it's the showcases, it's the tournaments, but you know what? It, It has flipped. And, and my theory is you get a lot of these kids that love the game and get rejected immediately, the game that they fell in love with becomes something that they're not happy with at all. They don't want to go and sit and watch a game because they their heart has been broken. That's my theory. That we, we've we've burned a bunch of kids out. I I've, I I coached a, a 12, 13 year old team. This has been years ago. Uh, we had it was a it was a round robin pick. Um, it so it was a group of kids. So it wasn't travel ball, but it was. You know, you went through, I got probably three really good guys and everybody else was just, you're just picking them based on if they can throw and catch the ball. And it's not that way anymore. These kids are, you know, they get, and then they get burned out. The good ones go to travel ball. They go, they're playing 300 games a year. um, And all of a sudden they hit college and they have that call to their parents. And it's a hard call. And it's, hey, dad, I'm quitting. I don't want to play anymore. And the dad's devastated because he has no idea. I thought he, you know, he's great and and he was going to go to all the way. And here's the kid in freshman, sophomore year in, in college. And they are sick and tired of it. They're burned out. They hate the game. There's a problem. And it's and and, and it it has to go back. We're trying to fix something the wrong way. We've got to go back to that beginning and bring the love of the game back to the player and keep it there. That's my theory. <laughs> Listen, Eric, that, that's that's as good a theory as I've heard. Um, you're 100 percent right. The, the, what's you know frustrating for me at points is I'm you know ultimately I think I'm part of the hypocrisy because <laughs> you know I'm coaching travel ball. I'm coaching my son's. Uh, 15 we all years. are. It, it's crazy. We all are. We're caught in this vicious cycle. We recognize there's a problem, but you want to give your yep. kids the, the opportunity that all the other kids are getting. And if you're not doing what everyone else is doing, are you giving them the same opportunities? Um, you know, I'm going through with my son and daughter right now. My son will be 16 in January. We, you know, when I talked to you, when we were trying to get this thing together, we were in Cincinnati, we were in Georgia. Uh, my daughter's in Maryland. We, my wife and I didn't see each other for, you know, the month of July. And, Yep. You know, thankfully, the kids are having a time in their lives. I, I think we, we do communicate with them and um, it's something that they want to <laughs> do, you know, but uh, it's gotten crazy where, you know, for me, I don't want them to lose out on any type of childhood. I want them to go ride their bikes through the neighborhood. I want them to go to the beach. I want them to go to their buddy's house. I want them to enjoy those things. But it's gotten crazy you know so my son's had football practice three mornings a week uh tuesday wednesday thursday 9 a.m lift 10 a.m on the field and then 
baseball games. We're pushing 50 games for the summer. And my daughter, the same. She plays ice hockey. She plays softball. Uh, my wife and I don't know how we're fitting it all in. It's 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 bizarre because it didn't exist when we were a kid. Well, it, yeah, it didn't. And 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 just coach, I, I this that that was not my my, my theory has that there's lots of things that go into a theory. And I think that if if parents, it's the parents or the coaches. And I'm going to say something here, and you need to tell me if you agree or disagree. There are comments that you see on Twitter or Instagram talking about. Um, if if you go on a vacation with your family, then you're not dedicated to the game, and you don't really want to go. You know, you don't want to go very far. And I and I, and I look at that, and I'm like, th- these guys are 12 years old. I, th- they don't know that they don't know how to walk and chew gum at 12 years old. Th- th- these are idiot boys, and you and I were idiot boys at 12. We yep. had no idea what we were doing. And I think we're putting this crazy expectation on these kids that they. There's going to be a few that make it, but you know what? The, the, the stories that I love to hear, the ones that said, I didn't play baseball until I was in, you know, junior in high school. Right. Um, I, I just used to go out and play the ball and I was athletic and I figured it out. I'm not saying that that's how we do it. And, and you can't put a carte blanche across everything. And, and travel ball, I think is fantastic. I, I think there's so many great things that are going on in the game of baseball, but I think it's a balance of finding people like you, I've talked to Walter Beatty, which is a guy that's been around for 40 years. He's right out there in the, the New York area. Um, right. You're all saying the same thing. You're all saying the same thing. It's all the same issues across the country. And, and it's what you just said. Hey, am I part of the problem or am I part of the solution? And I think I think you're part of the solution. I think that ownership, that pride in ownership is, is more important than pitching another time at 12 or 13 years old. Right. And and I think that's, there's a balance, right? So you, um, you brought up the vacation thing. And I thought that was, that was awesome because uh, I don't know if you saw my reaction to it, but um, w- with COVID, my wife, yeah. uh, my wife's sister lives in uh, right outside Boston. So they didn't see each other for a long time. We didn't see each other for the holidays that we normally do. And uh, mm-hmm. my brother-in-law, who, um, you know, I've been very close with for a long time. Me, my wife's sister and my brother-in-law all went to college together. So he's like, listen, you know, and his son is, their son is a very successful hockey goalie. You're younger than my son. So they're into the travel thing too. But he's like, listen, uh, we haven't seen each other and we're going to Florida. We're going to go to Florida the day after school ends, June 26th. And we're going as a family and we're going for a week. You know, can you do it? I said, you know what? It's right at the start of travel baseball season, but <laughs> I don't care. We're going. You know, we haven't seen you guys in over a year. And, uh, you know, if he misses yep. and my daughter misses a couple games so we can go spend some time with family we haven't seen. If we don't get this time back. We're not getting it back. And um, yep. I, I shared with you yep. in our initial meeting, you know, my my outlook on this game changed uh, almost four years ago. My father passed away unexpectedly. Um, so, you know, there are people that sometimes talk to me now and they see me on the field now and they're like, you know, you're a little different than you were, uh, you know, 15 years ago when I had you and you, you know, you were a little uh, a little more intense. And I, my, you know, my intensity and passion hasn't gone. Just certain things in the, in life are different right now. So when I get an opportunity to go spend it with uh, – with 
family, I'm, you know, I'm not missing that. So, you know, you brought those vacation things up and out. Some people, and people had said to me, you're a coach. How would you feel if someone missed your games? I'm like, well, every circumstance is different. Right. So, you know, right. So if, listen, if you, if you, if you're missing a practice or a game because you, you're going to a, uh, a buddy's party, it's a lot different than missing a practice or a game when you, when you're going to spend time with family you haven't seen in a year and a half, uh, you know, due, due to a pandemic. Yeah. So, a little bit different, but you know, and, and I think, and I think, yeah, it, it is, it is different. And I think what's what, you know, you can always find something good about, about everything. And I think, I think what's happening is if we, if we, right now in our life, if we stepped, if we took a step back, turned off the TV, turned off the news um, and, and started thinking about what's really important about life. Uh, I, I think that is the bigger answer or the biggest, bigger question then should I miss a game or should I not miss a game? Because I mean, we shouldn't have to go a year and a half to figure it out, but we, but we did a lot of us every, across the country. It took us a long time. And I think it was a, it was, it wasn't what the, our leaders thought was going to ha- were going to happen. Um, I, I think it was a, it was supposed to be crushing and I think it was liberating. That's my political two cents. And, and I think the liberation was the, the family, the time that we can't get back, the what's important in life. Um, and, and if baseball, baseball can be important in life, it, it absolutely can be important in life, but it's what's the most important thing in our life. And we can balance around that and build a, a build a lot more, you know, it's, a, it's, it, we, we need productive, society, productive people in society, right? We need to raise these, these boys to be productive in life as we get older. And I think that's really what it comes down to. So talk a little bit about your transition of becoming probably this, um, hard, you know, you know, rough and tumble long Island guy that, that was probably pretty tough to, to, to play for, you know, that transition four years ago. Well, talk, talk a little bit about that. So, yeah, it, it's, I have uh, my last assistant coach at, uh, at one of my last assistant coaches at Rock Point, the guy's name is Eric Stroving. Um, one of the best coaches and human beings I've ever been around, just a great guy. Uh, his two sons played for me there, both Division One baseball players, phenomenal. You know, one's teaching right now, one's finished his last year at Southeastern in uh, in Florida. Um, and I'll never forget that, you know, he said to me one day, it was after a huge win, and he, he looks at me and he's like, are you going to smile? Like, are you going to you gonna smile after this? Like, you, you, it's a huge win. And I looked at him and I just, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I looked, I said, well, we're supposed to win. You know, that's, 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 you know, we're working, we're working our brains out out here and we're supposed to win. We just got into a conversation. We do, we do Thursday night coaches night that my first assistant, Tommy Caputo, who's a college coach who actually coached with St. Uh, St. Joe's now, uh, he instilled that. He's like, and like I said, I have so, so many great assistants and Tommy would say, listen, at the end of the series, we're going to go out. We're going to go out for a burger and we're going to, not talk about baseball. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about anything else just to unwind because you know it gets it gets gets intense through the week. And in high school baseball, you play 18 league games. Every game is like 10 games. You know, it's it means so much. Yeah, it matters. Fast forward to Eric, you know, and I said, you know what? I said, I I don't enjoy winning as much as I hated losing. 
when we lose and it was like disasters mess with my mind until the next win came. And when we won, it was like almost like a sigh of relief, you know, never really enjoyed it. Never really, um, you know, got the process. I never would give myself time to. So that got me thinking that kind of kicked it off. Um, and then, like I said, it was, it, it was a, uh, unfortunate tragedy where, um, my second to last year, so it's 2016, uh, we're on, on Easter break from school and it was good Friday and, uh, 715, my phone went, rings into my sister and I knew once a phone rings at 715 from, from your sister and not a text or anything. Oh gosh. So I, you know, I get that call that, um, you know, something tragic happened and, yeah. uh, you know, it, it was crazy. It, it was bizarre. Uh, my sister-in-law happened to be down from Massachusetts with, with, with their three kids and had to process this information. And, you know, I make that phone call to uh, my coaches saying, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be at, at practice tomorrow and, uh, you know, going to have to miss the first game of the Harbor Field Series for the, the, the wake and funeral. So it's the first time I ever missed anything in, in, in my 17 years there. Um, so, uh, Dealing with that, you know, we, we, I come back and, and, and the support from the, the kids and the coaches and the parents was absolutely, you know, off the charts. And, you know, we got through the year. It was a great year. I think we lost in the county semifinals. Um, we had some, some big wins that year. And uh, at the end of the year, I did a lot of reflection, a ton of reflection. And, um, you know, that year, my son well, the, the next year, I should say, my son was a seventh grader in a, a neighboring district. And the coaching staff, who were great coaches over there too, Eric Rickenback and Ryan Pembroke, uh, they wanted to bring him up to JV as a seventh grader. So I thought that was pretty cool. You know, he's a, he, I thought that was great. So in my reflection of the last year and, and how you, you, your world gets turned upside down, um, I said, do I want to miss my son right now? You know, my daughter's still young enough. She's not in school sports yet, but my son's going to have a chance to play high school baseball. They play in a, in a neighboring rival district, you know, so they play in the same days as us. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't be able to see them. Yeah. Be able to see them. So um, I, I did some talk with my wife and, and definitely struggled a little bit mentally. Not a lot of people kind of knew that, you know, I put on a little, the coach's face and had to really grapple with some of the things that had just gone on in my personal life and kind of started to make a checklist of things that are important. And like we talked about, that family thing started to take a little bit more. You know, back 10, 15 years ago, I, I missed communions. I missed graduations. I missed christenings uh, yeah. with family. I missed so many things. You know, the day my son was born, um, you know, at, at 6 a.m. in the morning, I, I was at our Sunday morning clinic four hours later with my wife and son in the hospital. And that's not normal. Like, I don't think, I don't think that's a good thing. You know, at the time I thought it was, I thought it was great, you know, showing the kids dedication. And you're like, what, what are you doing? You know, your wife just had an emergency C-section and you're, you're at baseball practice. What the hell's wrong with you? So, um, you started to, to process that. And I, I talked to my wife and said, I, I think, um, I'm going to do one more year. You know, I think I'm just going to do this last year and get away and, and, Things are, are good. I've, I think I've, we've done a lot of good things and I'm good. Like as much as I love this game, I mentally was not in the right place. And before the season started, I sat down with my assistant coaches and said, this is back in September. I said, uh, this is going to be it for me. 
And there was some shock, but I think that my assistant coaches kind of knew I was going through some things. And um, they said, all right, man, let's, let's, let's give this thing one last good ride. Um, and we did. And we approached every bit of the offseason with as much enthusiasm and energy that we always had. Um, and the season couldn't have worked out better. We, we won the league championship. We won the, the school's first ever county championship um, and, and went to the state sectionals. And uh, it was like a like almost like a fairy tale year that, you know, when I did retire at the end of the season and it was, you know, made, you know, public to the community and to the players, people had mixed the reactions. It's like, oh, well, you won a championship and you're walking away or, you know, well, we, you know, man, it had nothing to do with that. It, it was, that just happened to be a result of a decision that was made earlier, but it was about um, spending some time with the family and I needed a year off. My mind was not right as, as much as it looked like it was uh, without getting into detail. It was just, it was, wasn't in a good place. You know, it, it needed, it needed a break from things. It needed to be home a little bit more. So I took one year off, one year completely off, watched uh, my kids play, still coach their teams and help coach their teams. And then um, we were at a, at a, my, one of my son's winter workouts, the Long Island Titans at their facility and the St. Joe's head coach, uh, his son plays in the organiz organization as well. And one of my first assistant coaches at Rocky Point, Tommy Caputo, uh, was the, the the assistant coach at St. Joe's. And, you know, one of the coaches at the Titans workout yelled across, hey, Ash, you know, you missing this yet? So I, <laughs> I said, I am. I am. I'm getting itchy. You know, I'm getting the itch. Yep. The next thing I know, I'm in conversations with uh, head coach Rick Garrett and, and Tommy Caputo. And I'm like, listen. You know, we don't we don't play a lot during the week. You know, we play a heavy weekend conference schedule and we have a, a very light, maybe one game a week um, non-conference schedule. And, you know, if, if we can make this work here and you got to go take off to see your kids play, um, we can do that. So, again, having further conversation with my, with my wife, and my kids, uh, we did. And. You know, first year we got three games into the series and had COVID dropped on us and canceled the season. You know, and last year we got to have a full season, but I really didn't miss really any things that I uh, I didn't want to miss. And I got to be an assistant coach for the first time. And I think that's where my, my calmness kind of came from. I got to be the good guy a little bit more. I got to be <laughs> the guy that coaches between the lines and, and got to – be the, uh, the, the voice of reason on a bench after someone, you know, kind of uh, messes up and I get to go pat my arm around them and, you know, have the time to say, hey, listen, you know, there's a mentality that, that my, my assistant coach, Eric Strobe, you know, always brings. So what next pitch? Hey, so what next pitch? This one's gone. Flush it. Learn from it and, and let's, let's focus on what's next. Um, I got to finally be able to say that not at the, at the end of a game to a whole, but I got to kind of learn each individual player a little bit better and, and uh, take a deep breath and really start to enjoy it again. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I, I do miss being a head coach at, at times, but I don't know if I ever want to be a head coach again at this point in my life. I, I did it. I did it. Um, you know, we did some really awesome things and I'm not talking about the wins and the losses, but 
between so many, uh, you know, things that I brought in and things that my assistant coaches have been able to bring in, um, I could not be happier than the, than the things we accomplished at Rocky Point. Um, I'm looking forward to the things we're doing at St. Joe's right now and with my son and daughter's team and um, definitely in a better mental place right now when it comes to what are we, you know, what am I doing right now? Family first, everything else kind of falls into there. So, so without, you know, without, um, obviously it was with some personal tragedy that, that led to some of the, the, you know, gut checks and, and kind of reevaluating who you are uh, with, without, without that, what, what, what are some of the lessons that you'd love to, to share with maybe other, other head coaches that are kind of in that, that, it's a hamster. It's a hamster wheel, right? It, 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 it never ends. Um, I think you brought up that it's, it's an attitude of you win, but we were supposed to win. So you're not even enjoying the win. Um, you, you focus more on the loss because that's where you need to focus on getting better. So you get in this crazy, weird hamster wheel of life. It's no different than business, right? There's no difference than a sales, a sales guy out there. And he wins because he, he closes the deal because he has to versus celebrating the little victories. So what, what are some, what are some of the specific lessons if you were to talk to, to another coach, uh, that, that you learned that they, that they should be at least, uh, thinking about? Um, it, it, without a doubt, the, the first thing would be in, enjoy the, the successful little moments. Okay. The big ones are easy to enjoy. You know, you, you have a, a player drafted or you have a win a championship. Um, those are easy. Those are real easy to, to enjoy. Enjoy the little ones. Enjoy the little successful moments. Enjoy the light bulb that goes off in the player's head in a teachable moment. Enjoy the small successes they have, whether it's in a classroom, um, you know, kids that maybe weren't academic kids where, you know, baseball was what they had that kept them on the right path or out of trouble. And, you know, there's a saying that we have that, and again, my, one of my dearest friends and assistant coach, Eric, uh, we talk about it all the time. Um, Sometimes uh, the, the, the kid needs the program more than the program needs the kid. Yeah. We've always prided ourselves in keeping some kids around the program, whether it was managers, practice players, as long as, as, long as you're clearly defining roles where, you know, in other situations, they get shunned away, they get turned away, they get rejected. Um, and you watch some of these kids just turn into just successes in life. And, you know, you, you don't ever expect it, but when you get that, you know, text, hey, coach, you know, thank you so much for for believing in me and, and you know, for, you know, you and the coaching staffs, give me a, give me something to do after school and keep me involved and, you know, give me a, a group of friends that I didn't have before then. Appreciate those times because that's what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, appreciate, you know, the, the, appreciate the, the wins because they're not easy. You know, it's not easy to win baseball games, you know, and, and the, the hard work and the countless repetitions and the attention to detail, your skill work, your footwork, your mechanics, you know, we didn't dive into that topic, but that was something that was, you know, in all the greater scheme with, with coaches is you're putting countless hours into detail. So when a kid has that success on the field, learn how to celebrate it. I said it to, to, uh, Anthony Anzalone, who was a former player of mine, I used to call him my first son. I had him from the time he was sixth grade uh, through. I took him up as, as an eighth grader, a ninth grader. He never played for anyone else. 
Um, then he went on to college, a good career, and, and I was happy to give the program to him when I retired. And my assistant coach, Eric Strovink, stayed on with him. That great pitching coach now, Brian Glenn, who's awesome. Uh, they had an awesome uh, first year when I left, and, and we left him with a lot of returning players, and he did exactly what he should do with that. And he's like, one time he looked, he's like, you know, coach, pinch me. You know, is this is this what it's is this what it's always like? And I said, no, it's not, Ann. No, it's not. <laughs> You know, our first two seasons were were rough, you know, back in 2001, 2002. And then we, we believed in what we were doing. And we went on a run of like 17 out of 18 years straight to the playoffs, um, which, you know, was, was awesome. I said, wow. when you do have the successes you're having, appreciate it. But, um, you know, appreciate more of what you're doing with your team. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things that we did at Rocky Point that I'm so proud of is it truly was a family-like atmosphere where these kids genuinely cheer for each other in a very competitive atmosphere. Um, you know, and it, it, these kids, you know, Eric's wife, Chrissy brought in, you know, the, the, the volunteering at the homeless shelter first. So these kids volunteer at a homeless shelter two times a year. Uh, they do all these other charity fundraising things. We do a, a live like Susie game um, for a former student of ours that passed away. We raised scholarship money. Nice. Uh, you know, they, they, these kids get the greater picture yeah. and, and, you know, if, if anybody ever says, you know, when you miss it and do you miss these, it's, it, that, those are the things I miss. I miss the, the daily interaction with, uh, with the players. I miss the time before practice when it's field prep set up, um, miss the time after practice, after PIO time, we've cleaned everything up, you know, walking up with the kids and, and having the conversations, so, you know, those are the things that if I were to give any other coach some advice is is cherish those times yeah. because all the other stuff is is easy to enjoy. Don't forget to enjoy um, the things that I don't that, that are unique to each individual. I, you know, I, I, I love to think that everybody has the same experience, but they don't. You know, I, I don't think they do. So if you create that good atmosphere, um, enjoy every second of it because it's it's. It's uh, it's not a given. It's not a given. It has to be early. So so, coach, let me let me ask you this. Um, you you obviously went. That was a big decision to to step down. I mean, I'm I'm sure that that was a a lot of late nights and conversations with with the wife and yeah. and is this the right thing? So so let me ask you this. Now that it's been a few years and you're where you're at right now, would your dad be proud of you? Uh yeah, yeah. I don't think there's a. Uh, I don't think there's a doubt in my mind that, you know, he's, 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 he's definitely proud. You know, I, I always have like the sayings he would say, or the little fist pump and you know, <laughs> the idle lip. That, that's, I think that's what we're getting right now. I think yeah. there's no doubt about it, you know? So yeah, that, that's, that's certainly it's, something to think about often. You, you know, it's, it's, um, we, we, I think the lesson that, that, that I'm taking from here, you know, I, I learned so much with, with talking to such good, good men, um, all over. And, and the lesson that I've, I'm taking from here is, is that cherishing, I, I don't want to wait for a tragedy to, to make the changes. And, and I think that that's really, you know, we, we, we all, we just get in that hamster wheel. We just keep running. We keep running because that's what we've been told to do. And, and we're trying to make our dad or mom you know, proud of us and, and just take a step back and, and really appreciate what you've got. And, and coach, you, you are, you are a, 
a, a great example of of making decisions that typical, normal, the guys out there wouldn't, they probably would have told you you were crazy. What, what the heck are you doing? You, you, you can't do this. You're, you're on a roll. You've built a program. Let's keep going. Um, and you did what's right for you and what, what's right for your family. And I think that that's to be commended. And, and I think that more people need to, I, Hey, if one person hears this and says, you know what, I don't like where I'm at and I got to make some tough decisions to get right. my, my head, you know, back to where it needs to be. You're probably happier now than you've ever been. And that's what, that's the lesson that you want the kids that you're working with to take with them. It's when you're 48 years old, the, the, the your launch angle <laughs> isn't going to, isn't going to help your marriage. <laughs> Hundred percent right, man. You hit the nail on the head again. Yeah, you know, so, well, Coach, you know what? Um, I really appreciate this. We're coming up on an hour, and and I I think this has been a great conversation. I hope that you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate uh, you guys joining us today. Uh, make sure that you like, uh, share, and subscribe to our channel, and we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you.